Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Minutes with Mew presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you on board. Boston College falls a tough game, 41-10 to to Wake Forest. We'll get to all that in a second, and we'll get to Scott Mutrin. You know him, BC former QB, Learfield Radio Network for the Boston College Eagles. He's right on the line next on for us here on Minutes with Mew. But first, before all that, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, need to join uh, the BC Football Gridiron Club. I know they'll have a big bowl party coming up wherever BC ends up. Uh, that's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Once, ahead, once again, that's the Boston College Football Gridiron Club. Okay, with that, we welcome in Scott Mutrin. And Scott, your general game thoughts, 41-10. to 10, Wake Forest wins the division. Uh, BC falls to 6-6 six and six on the year. Yeah, tough game, I think, uh, for the Eagles. They uh, weren't able to mount much of an offensive threat versus Wake Forest, and then uh, Wake Forest took advantage of the short field position. Uh, For most of the second and third quarter, if you see where Wake Forest did a lot of their damage, it was in that time period where uh, the tough wind uh, gave gave them short field, and they were able to execute and uh, and get some points on the board, and then BC was just really never, ever – able to generate any sort of offensive threat in the second half. I think they had five possessions, and I think every one of them was a three and out, to be honest. So they just weren't able to move the ball. And, um, you know, a couple frustrating thing, plays along the way that I think were game-changing plays. And I know it's tough to say when it's 41-10, to 10, but I think some, some plays that happened that altered the course of the game and was not really decided by the people on the, on the playing field. No question about it. Some tough calls there. Uh, but we, we have to – we can't ignore this. Phil Jakovic, 3 for 11, 19 yards overall. As a former QB yourself, what what, what happened there? What, what went wrong? Yeah, I think the cold and the wind really bothered Phil. Uh, probably not 100%. He was trying to gut through it. But um, I think he was really struggling to really deliver the football the way in which he wants to, uh, wanted to deliver it. And it was pretty evident on uh, some of the throws that he missed. Uh, I think BC was pretty, you know, even towards the end, but very kind of conservative in that game plan. They were more uh, willing to run with Phil than they were really <clears throat> to throw it. They took some deep shots and tried to do that, but they did not have any success throwing the ball down the field, which is a big staple of that offense. And they weren't able to establish any kind of intermediate passing game as well. So Wake Forest was just bringing a lot of guys down and forcing BC to throw it, and they just didn't didn't connect on the chances in which they did, and they didn't really get anything of any sort of momentum going all day long offensively. Yeah, it was seventy to ten, and then forty one ten the final. So obviously the second half, uh, I guess, were you kind of disappointed coming out of halftime that BC couldn't really kind of get a, get anything going to mount the comeback? Yeah, I, I definitely was, and you talk about certain points in the game where. Um, plays matter and they're 
dictate the outcome of the game. And I think you see an offensive pass interference at the end of the first half that's not called. That results in a touchdown, and then you get seven points taken off the board for Zay Flowers. Unbelievable runs, probably one of the best I've ever seen. Gets taken off the board on a on a very, very, very terrible call on, on Phil Dracovic on that. And then all of a sudden it's 24-17, and it's got a different feel to it. Does BC kind of find their sea legs? And it seems that once that happened, they get a negative play, and then they punt, and then Wake scores again, and they just lost all the momentum and wind in their sail and it's easy to look at the final score and say you're complaining about something that didn't matter in the outcome but when the outcome wasn't decided those were absolutely critical critical things that went against Boston College that really changed the course of the game so now big picture wise the Eagles are six and six for the year um I guess Scott how do you evaluate this whole I've kind of Kind of taking my time here, and kind of really thinking about but this. Is a, you know, four and zero start. Then you you lose all in the middle. You come back, win a couple, and then you lose two to close out the year. Uh, how will you look back on this season here as as six and six and a bowl game still to come? I would say I look at it as what could have been. I think you look at the ACC and how it played out, and the teams that were successful, um, especially the last two or that are in the championship game, the one commonality is their quarterbacks played the entire season. Their top-notch quarterbacks, probably the top two in the conference. And, um, you know, they made it through the season. They did, They avoided some big injuries, and uh, they, they had experienced leadership back there, and they executed when their teams needed them the most. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing that you say. You look at Clemson, they had spotty quarterback play. NC State had some good quarterback play. Uh, just couldn't get over the hump, had a tough loss. Um, you know, Sam Howell was banged up a little bit, uh, probably did not uh, meet expectations that he had coming into the year. Um, you know, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, two teams that did not get great quarterback play. You can go down the list and, and really see the haves and the have-nots, and it's pretty much based on the record uh, of each team. Miami struggled until they get Van Dyke back there, and then he, he really leads the charge and then kind of brought a – uh, rejuvenation for that team. Florida State was going back and forth with their quarterbacks as well, so it, it really was uh, Syracuse. They did it too. I mean, you look at everybody out there as the ones that ended up standing at the end had um, health and exceptional performance at that position. So to me, I look at it like, you know, we needed to, uh, BC needed to get uh, Bill's healthy, I think you look at it, it's two to three more wins, and then you have a totally different feel on the season. And who knows, if he is healthy and playing at a peak performance, who knows, it could even have been better, considering how everybody else was. So, Yeah, you know, as you're talking, I, I go... As you're talking, I go back to my guest in August, Phil Steele. You know, he writes all the college football publications, big college football guy. You know, he predicted he loved Phil, and he predicted a nine and three record for Boston College. So that was kind of like the thought back in August. And you're right, no one could predict the injuries. Uh, but uh, how, how about this, Scott? What do you think Phil's future is at Boston College? I assume he's going to come back. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, one because he's probably not healthy, and if you look at it right now. Um, who knows if he plays in the bowl game? That's that's probably a, a question for him to decide. He's a gamer. He wants to play, um, so he may. But he he definitely wasn't at a hundred percent. So that where does that put him health wise? He's got to rehab to get to a level. Um, he's ranked, I think, the sixth 
best quarterback. Really, there's only one that's kind of trending to be in the first round. So you're looking at probably a third, fourth, or fifth round. And if he does that, that really doesn't financially make sense for him. He doesn't need to leave for uh, for the money. Uh, some people are, are you know victims of the circumstances that they need they need money, but Phil uh, doesn't need that. So I think it's what's best for him is to come back to, to BC. Uh, to get healthy, to work on uh, the things I think he needs to work on to really improve his stock is work from 25 yards in. He needs to uh, throw into some tight windows, run the offense, have a little anticipation throws, uh, be able to, to throw to guys when they're quote-unquote covered and, and give them an accurate throw and run the offense. I think one of the things that NFL teams um, want to see is his ability to run an offense. He's very good when the play breaks down and he can free will it a little bit, but um, he's got to operate within the confines of the offense and, and the structure of the offense and have success with that. So I expect him to come back and really work on those things. I was looking forward to seeing it this year. It just, you know, it just didn't happen with the injuries. And then even with him coming back, it just, I don't want to say a shell of himself, but he definitely wasn't the Phil Dracovic we saw at the beginning of the year and last year. Okay, so now, you know, other big news we talked about as we ha- we await a bowl game is Jeff Halfley, contract extension for five years. We don't know the terms. Boston College is a private school. They're not going to really release the money aspect of that. Uh, let me just give my thoughts. I was, a you know, I, I know why BC does it uh, to kind of secure the future. Recruiting classes look pretty good. But I do worry, Scott, about the message that it, it sends about six and six being acceptable for a contract extension because – as you and I know, the goal is not to go six and six. You know, you get contract extensions when you, like me and you at our jobs, we perform above and beyond stuff like that. Six and six is not above and beyond, so it provides stability. But I was a little, I'm a little concerned about uh, what's the goal and five year extension after going six and five in year one and six and six year two. You know, geez, I hope in five years they're not six and six anymore. Let's put it that way, Scott. Your your thoughts? Yeah. And- I, I see where you're coming from and where other people can, can get that feeling. Um, for me, I look at it as you can't take it um, on just the basis of this season, right? You have to look at what's in the pipeline, what does the team look like, what is the dynamic of the athletes there, uh, what are they building. There was nothing there on defense when he came there last year. It was evident he got by. They, the defense did a great job this year. That's a credit to him and Tem Lugaboo there. They did a great job of getting the most out of that defense. Um, they they had some playmakers, and yes, the expectations were high, but because of injuries and, and various other things, they didn't reach there. But you got to look at it through a, a longer-term scope, and is, it, is things going in the right direction? You're two years into it. Um, is it is the program in a better place than it was two years ago? Yes. Are they trending in a better place than they were two years ago? Yes. Is the recruiting class uh, that he brought in um, trending that it, better than it was a couple of years ago? Yes. And is this current recruiting class trending well and looking like it's going to be uh, some impact players? Yes. Uh, did you get impact players through the transfer portal? Yes. Um, so all these things that you, you look at, you have to look at the program as a whole and not just a singular one and lost thing. Now, I know everyone says you are what your record says you are. I get it. Um, but if you'd rather look at six and six and seeing things in an opposite direction, or do you want to see it at six and six and trending upwards? I think you would say that it's trending upwards. And 
for Jeff Hapley and his staff. It's it's just encouragement that he's doing it the right way. That it's it's appreciated what they're doing. The the kids that are coming through there represent the school well. Um, they're they're playing hard. They're respected. And they're you know they're good players as well. You're going to see some of these guys playing Sunday, and it takes time to build you know your group. It takes time to build your group. It doesn't matter if the guys are talented that were there when you got there. It still has to be within your your group and your guys. And that that transformation doesn't happen in a year or two. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Yeah, and I I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I guess my question, and of course, they win two more games this year, eight and four, home run. You're right, give them the extension. Six and six leaves a bad taste in your mouth, though. You can't spin it any other way. And also, I wonder, too, why do they have to do it this year? Why can't you wait one more year and then give a five-year extension from there? So that those are questions I have kind of in my mind. Because uh, to be honest with you, I'm not happy with this year. This, this is a disappointment, this six and six. Yeah, so and you're, you're not in the minority there, a disappointment. But you have to look at the overall dynamic of college football right now. I mean, you've seen what's just happened in the last few days. Big-name coaches leaving big-name programs to go, you know, for significant raises. There's a lot of money in college football right now uh, with these TV deals, especially in the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, So you need to lock up your guys if you believe in them and stay with them and to show that there's, you know, obviously recruiting bandwidth that the guy's going to be there. And it's, it's the extension is to show that there's space that we're going, the BC's going in the right direction and he's doing things the right way. Right. So you have to look at it in, in that overall picture is that this is an opportunity to, to them BC to evaluate where they, where they are, where they were and where they're going. And everyone seems to believe, and I do too, that they're going in the right direction. And if, you, if you're going in the right direction, do you really want to start over or just make a guy play out his contract? That leaves a bad taste in his mouth. And you want him to be on board and to know that you believe in him as much as he believes in you. And, and that's part of the deal. You're going to add some term to it. You're going to add some money to it. But you, you add stability to it. But it's a fragile environment. I mean, in the end, if Jeff Hapley's successful in a couple of years, he's most likely not going to be here anyways because he's probably going to be courted to go somewhere bigger because that's just life in today's college football, and we can't be naive to think that that's not a possibility. Do you want him to stay? Yeah. Would you like him to stay for the rest of his career? Yeah, but you can't be that naive to think it won't happen. I, I, Oklahoma people would would you know would agree with me in that situation. They thought he would never leave, right? And probably Notre Dame thought Brian Kelly was never going to leave. But people leave. So you just got to be prepared for that. And if you have the right guy, you have to put all your resources behind him. Yeah, no question about that. BC can't be naive. If you're leaving Oklahoma to go to USC and Notre Dame to go to LSU, Jeff Hathaway would be out of here in a, in a quick second. He gets a big-time mer- right. you know, bigger job. And to be honest, I you don't blame people for, for moving up. Like, I was – Recruited by Tom Coughlin, I signed with Tom Coughlin. I never played it down for Tom Coughlin, but I I don't um, I don't 
don't regret my decision to go to BC, and I don't resent Tom Coughlin for leaving. Like coaches have dreams too, and they have aspirations. And if they have a chance to move up and do something better, it's, you can't fault them for doing it. Just like players now have the freedom, which I, I think is very important, the freedom to leave. Um, they have the freedom to go. You've seen BC's lost some guys in the, in the transfer portal already, but other schools are seeing a lot of that too. And now that the student-athlete has a little more choice in it as well, which I think is justified, um, you cannot fault people for going to chase a dream or to go do something that they've always aspired to do because that would be hypocritical because you would do the same thing. If, you know, if your job offered, if another job offered you $2 million to go do what you do for a living, you would go do it. And we, we can't be naive to think that you would. Right now, to your point about recruiting, 2022 class, Boston College is ranked 26, 20, uh, 24-7. And uh, according to 24-7, 2023, Boston College is ranked 10th nationally. So if BC is able to keep up those classes, you're right. That's great. Good news. That's the highest since 03, 04. And, of course, we know from 04 to 07, a lot of good success with Boston College. So I agree with all that. Uh, and Halfley could shut us all up by going 8-4 and four next year, 9-3 and three next couple of years, 10-2. and two. Uh, But, man, this, this fan base is starving for some wins, especially Scott seeing Pittsburgh, an old Big East foe, and Wake Forest, a much smaller private school, be in the ACC championship this Saturday night. Yeah, it should be a good game, and uh, you're going to have two really potent offenses going at it. I I think um, Wake Forest defense is going to struggle with uh, versus Pitt. So I kind of like Pitt in that game. Uh, I do do like everything that, that Wake has done this year. Uh, but from having seen Pitt on, on tape and seeing Kenny Pickett play, uh, it's going to be a great quarterback battle, which I really enjoy. So uh, I, I think Pitt has a little bit of an edge there, but I think it should be a really good game. And then also, Scott, just to go, to wrap it up here, and I agree with you, I'll, I'll be excited to watch the ACC. I wish BC was there, but I'll be excited to watch it. Uh, what, Where, though, do you think BC ends up? It seems like Fenway Bowl, this new bowl game at Fenway might be – the number one target. Uh, you've, any other thoughts? Are you hearing anything else for a bowl game destination? Yeah, it's all speculation right now. They'll know more after this weekend, and who knows if you know things get crazy enough, it could it could change a whole bunch of different pictures and how teams end up uh, going. Um, my thoughts on bowl games are this: if if I can't be somewhere warm, I want to be somewhere close to my house. So. Um, <laughs> New York or uh, New York or Pinstripe or New York or the Fenway Bowl uh, would be great. Um, I think it'll be an opportunity for a lot of young guys to play. I think you're going to see a lot of young guys play, especially now that the way the college football dynamic is. You're going to see a lot of guys not choosing to play in this game if they have NFL aspirations. It's their prerogative. It's their right. Um, you're not going to see a lot more of the old well. Let's go out for the school spirit, rah, rah, rah. It's just not that way anymore. Um, and just like the coaching thing, I'm not naive to think that that's a possibility. you got to really um, – the players have a small window to play professionally, and if they have a chance to play um, and chase their dreams and make, make some money doing it, to risk that, uh, to get hurt in a bowl game like that is, is, is tough for them to accept. And if they don't do – if they don't play, I don't begrudge them for that at all. It's their decision. Would you like everyone to play? Absolutely, you would love your full team out there. But that's just not the reality in college football today. And um, so I think you're going to see a lot of young guys play. It's a great opportunity for them to get some more practices, um, some more game experience. Most of the young guys 
that will play. This will not hurt their redshirt year because none of them have met the four-game criteria. So it's, it's, it benefits them as well and kind of gives them a springboard going into next season to start spring practice. Okay, Scott, last question for me. Last home game, senior day, what was the food Dime Eats like, the press box, tailgate, for the last game of the fall in Chestnut Hill? Well, I went to the, uh, the Learfield pregame because uh, I had my son with me because his team was honored um, on the scoreboard for winning the Super Bowl. Nice. Um, yep, they got to get up, go on the field for halftime and uh, slap hands with the players as they came out. It was a great moment, so I, I did not spend a lot of time in the press box munching on food. Uh, Tomo from Wegmans had some nice muffins and stuff that she brought for us, which were delicious. Uh, but uh, I, I kind of ate the food there in the tent that she provided, and that was great. And then, uh, we, you know, the family was able to go out afterwards, which was great. So um, it was uh, not a huge press box experience, but it was a great family experience. Minus the game and the cold, it was cold. I was freezing, um, but uh, you know it was uh, it was a great way to end, and it was just a great moment for my son and his team uh, to see a bunch of uh, eleven and twelve year olds out there. It was just a pretty special thing as a dad, more than anything. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to finish. That's more important than wins or losses in the field, too. So. I think Coach Hapley would disagree, but for me, it was, it was a nice moment. It would have been great if they would have won. I think the kids would have really enjoyed it even more. But, um, you know, it is what it is. We can't control all those things. Yep, no question about it. Scott, well, we can control. We appreciate you coming out on all year. And let's maybe we'll take a little couple-week break, and we'll catch up uh, right around the bowl game. Yeah, sounds great. Um, now dive into BC hockey season and really start watching those guys play. Hopefully they're going to get back on uh, the plane on the surface on the sheet pretty soon after they just had to deal with some issues there. So uh, going to be excited to watch that and uh, see how Earl Grant, the basketball team, does as well in these uh, next couple weeks and then get ready for the bowl game. All right, Scott, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.